I really love to open with some face shredding guitar. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. And uh, I especially love that track just because of when it plays during the gameplay. Because mm. East Origin, like all great anime, <laughs> they know right before the final battle to hit you with that opening theme. <laughs> It's very oh. important to to bring back the opening theme right before the end, yeah. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, welcome to CRT Sound System. Uh, we've got episode 15 today. Uh, I'm here with Reese as always, and we have a guest who you just heard. Uh, Neve, introduce yourself. Hello, my name is Neve, and I am Reese's pal who uh, was roped into this. <laughs> and uh, I'm happy to be here, y'all. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, like, um, we, we were going to do an Ease episode eventually. It was always on the cards. And uh, when Reese is like, I have a friend who wants to do an Ease episode, I was like, okay, uh, I'm enlisting you straight away for this. Absolutely. Um, and uh, Ease was, I think, one of uh, several discussions that that compromise, that compromise uh, formed the soul of the podcast, mm. I would say, uh, because... I was listening to Fantasy Star uh, music uh, for the Master System, like you do, and I was just <laughs> served up um, Ease for the PC eighty eight, and I had like, it's it's easily one of the most emotional moments I've had listening to gaming <laughs> music, just because of the time and that that song banks, um, yeah. and and coming into the Ease franchise this way is kind of. I think indicative of the podcast in general, like exploring video game music is a great way to access games, especially, you know, games that might have be a little bit more difficult to play or, you know, mm. we only have so many hours in the day, et cetera. Because um, <laughs> even, um, you know, I, I won't go on too much about it, but even uh, I think different versions of that East One soundtrack in comparably the same generation even like the Ma the master system version pc88 version i think have yeah. a, have a very different soul um yeah. and you you listen to uh the composer talk uh kuzo koshiro yes. yuzo koshiro yuzo yeah. koshiro i'm sorry yeah um and he he has everything he talks about is just the highest like classical like composition interests all of his mm. favorites or he's just like oh well you know it's maybe bach is basic but he's he's always <laughs> it's, it's stuff like that so so it's it I, i'm really excited um when when neve mentioned it because it is it is something i've i've wanted an excuse to get into more and i feel like mm. i made some exciting discoveries nice like, yeah they really are like such great soundtracks and you mentioned all the different like the different versions of the east one and two soundtracks and it really is just staggering how many different versions oh of these yeah. soundtracks there are like probably like at least like six like completely distinct versions of these soundtracks for each mm -hmm. of these games it's crazy yeah it's it's wild um but like the, yeah the first track was from ease origin which i suppose we'll get into later um but we're going to talk about e the first ease game first and as as reese mentioned it, it was mostly done um by yuzo koshiro with some tracks um 
done, I believe, by uh, Mako Ishikawa is the name. Uh, none of the tracks I've selected here are actually by uh, by Mako Ishikawa, um, but I think most famously Yuzo Koshiro is is sort of the the composer of the first two Ease games. Um, and like like you both mentioned, there's so many different versions. So like, um, I really just sort of had to restrain myself <laughs> um, from going too far with different versions. So like, um, I've picked up a couple of different um, ports uh, or different versions from different ports just for comparison's sake. But for the most part, um, I'm pretty much just sticking to the PC88 versions because um, I think those are sort of the uh, the originals, um, so to speak. Um, and it's sort of that's where you can sort of get your comparison from. Um, but like, um, either of you have have you sort of a history with the Ease games beyond sort of uh, recent times? Because like, I know for myself, um, it's something I only sort of discovered in the last maybe sort of fifteen years. Because um, these games didn't really show up in Europe um, or even America for a lot of them, as as far as I understand, until sort of the PSP came out. Um, and then once the PSP came out, it just like opened the floodgates for all of these games to start coming over. Um, and that was sort of my exposure to the uh, to the E series and a lot of other Falcom stuff. I actually had not gotten into the E series myself until like around just maybe a couple years ago. Like I, mm-hmm. like I had just like heard like oh like uh, Falcom like because that was hearing about like how great like the world building and everything is in like the trails games mm. and like just like what like a rich like world with like great music and everything all that is and i thought okay maybe i should play east because that's a game by them and it's not hundreds and hundreds of hours <laughs> long like yeah. uh, the like trails in the sky Reasonable. so i i decided to check that out and i just played it and it's like oh, this is just really well designed, like, especially just for a game, like, where, like, yeah, I played, like, the, like, the remake Chronicles, but, like, the bones are still from, like, the 80s, but they're still really good bones, like, the foundation of a fantastic game was already there right from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, the Chronicles added you know, an attack button rather than the bump, you know, a couple things, uh, modern conveniences you're going to need. Um, is, is that correct? Was that, th- or uh, is that Chronicles Origins? still uses, it's Chronicles still, still uses the bump system, see, which see, I will ride or die for. Bump system that, that, is fantastic. Uh, I, I, I'm not here to speak ill of it. it, it it's, uh, I apologize. This, this, this goes to show my, my confusion, um, <laughs> my own confusion trying to do with the Ease franchise where yeah. um, it, it, they, uh, like an audit, one of them would come out for for PlayStation or whatever at the time, and I was like, I, I don't know what East Five is. I don't know how to access this. <laughs> um, and it it was kind of confusing with the different things where which version, et cetera, I should access. So it wasn't until this weekend when I started um, digging into it for this episode that I started to kind of like disentangle the. The yeah. actual thing, and it's not actually that complicated. I just needed to have some sort of grounding, um, just because those there's so many versions. Um, yeah, with with those, uh... I think like your the best ones at the moment for each player, anything that's on the the PC. 
Um, yeah, the Steam store pretty much has the definitive version of every yeah. game that's available in English. Yeah, um, for me, actually, the first Ease game I played was the iOS port of uh, Ease 1, <laughs> uh, which, with okay. the Bump Combat, is actually a completely playable game. Like, um, I'm not great for playing games on iOS or, or on touchscreen, but, like, um, because it's really just the... You don't have any other button except for movement. Um, it's actually a great little game to play um, on a phone or on an iPad. Yeah, if any of the games are going to, you know, work on a touchscreen, it's going to be East 1 and 2. Like, it's yeah. just kind of a perfect fit. Yeah. Um, so is the it's... idea you need to to bump, diagonal bump them, or each enemy has a different way you want to bump them? How does the bump system play out? Um... Or is it just you bump, you bump them before you get bumped? <laughs> in general, like, yeah, you want to be sort of coming in from the side, because if you're, if you're attacking enemies head on... Um, at best, you're going to trade damage with them, um, okay. Okay. Uh, or just bounce off them if they're like a, a shielded enemy or something like that. So, like, yeah, yeah like, it's more about positioning than anything else. Yeah, like the first game, like it was like kind of complicated, where it's like you can do it like in like a cardinal direction, but you wanted to be like off center, so you wanted mm. to like shoulder check them more than run like <laughs> face first into them. But then like yeah. in East 2, they added like, okay, you can just attack diagonally, and it became a lot easier in that sense. But then they like rebalanced it, so it actually became harder in other ways to counterbalance that, but... yeah. I'm I'm persuaded. We need more bump RPGs. Uh, <laughs> we sure I, do. Yeah. I do, I do like the later games in the series, but yeah, I would love to see like a, a nice return to the to the bump combat. Um, but yeah, I suppose we'll jump into the first block of tracks. So this is all stuff from uh, Ease One. Um, as I said, it's all PC eighty eight, um, except for I have two versions of uh, one of these tracks. Um, so the first track is going to be Fina, which is the the sort of title screen. Uh, that's like a recurring track that, that basically comes back in almost every game in the series. Um, then we have First Step Towards Wars, Reaming, Beat of the Terror, Overdrive. Uh, I have Tower of the Shadow of Death, and then I have Tower of the Shadow of Death from the Sharp X68000 version. Uh, and then lastly, we have Final Battle. Um, so we'll jump into those, and then we'll have a chat about them afterwards.
a nice short final battle theme. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, one thing I feel like I always have to bring up whenever Yuzo Koshiro comes up is like um, the PC-88, which um, this was uh, originally composed for, is basically what he still uses to compose music. Uh, like if you go onto his uh, YouTube channel, he'll put up um, like mixes of songs that he's done for other systems um, with the original PC-88 files. Um, and they're really, really interesting to hear the differences in the versions. Um, because like he, he tends to compose in the PC-88 and then just um, move them over to, to whatever platform is being used, um, which I think is a really cool way to go about making music. That's wonderful. Um, hmm. Everything I learned about uh, Yuzo Koshiro uh, in preparation for this episode uh, was wonderful. Yeah. They, people seem to make a big deal out of it, even though it's not an issue, but he did work with uh, Joe uh Hisaishi, is that Hisaishi, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and um who who is did um you know like my neighbor to Totoro and composed all these like anime greats. And apparently yeah. it was just like a couple lessons, but still yeah. I like to I, I'm I'm gonna start going, yes, the the Yuzo uh who who was tutored by Joe <laughs> Hisaishi. Uh, but you you listen to him and he's so unpretentious, which I think yeah. is very much like the core of what we love about sort of like the the game music um mm. that that we've been listening to is that he takes it totally seriously yeah. within the like the constraints of tech the technology um and and it's um always really really compelling and as 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 emotional and powerful as as anything that i've heard um it's it's great yeah he's one of my favorite composers um and like if you go go to his list of stuff, like he's still making things to this day. Um and is just like constantly, constantly working. Uh, yeah, he's oh go ahead. Oh, I, I was just gonna say as well, uh just a little side thing. Um he uh well, a great little discovery I found was that I I guess before he composed Act Razor for the SNES, he just did it in MSX first. Because yeah. he he was just like, well, I gotta I gotta figure out the music and something I think, and then the the secondary project was doing um, the uh, the sort of like more sample heavy orchestral stuff in Act Razor, yeah. and it's really interesting hearing. I can't find the full soundtrack, but it's inter interesting hearing the comparison of Yuzo trying to like create like an orchestral feel. With mm. the FM, within, you know, it's a, I don't want to call the FM synth limited, but certainly more limited if you're looking to do an orchestral sound. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, it's like a very specific tool that, like, somehow he was able to do some really cool stuff with. Yeah. Um, yeah like, the thing, the stuff he can do with the Genesis is, like, nobody else could do stuff like that. It's wild. Um, like the the Streets of Rage two soundtrack, I've probably brought it up before, but like that soundtrack, it, there's no way the Genesis can sound like that, and yet he manages to do it. Um, it's absolutely wild. Um, but yeah, um, I suppose we were we, we you 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 noticed during the break that I have something here from the uh, the Korean DOS version of Ease two. Oh, I'm excited um, about that. <laughs> yeah, that was actually one that I had never even heard of that. Yeah. Um, 
Well, a lot of the times when I prep for these episodes, I search on VGM rips, um, which just has like tons. It's a massive archive of like uh, rips from video game music and or video games. And like one of the ones that showed up for ease was this uh, Korean DOS version. And like, there's no other version of the game, sort or no version of East that was made similarly. Um, but I listened to it and it just sounded really cool. And again, there's no sort of there's no DOS versions of these until you sort of, or there's no DOS versions at all really until Windows versions started coming out. Um, so I just thought it was an interesting thing to grab for the next block. Um, but yeah, it's. Um, Ease 2, I have less familiarity with as a game. Um, mm. Have you played that, Neve? I have played Ease 2, yeah. and it really is like... Uh, like I feel like Ease 1 and 2 are like not even two games. They feel yeah. like two halves of the same game. Because like Ease yeah. 2 takes place like... What, like the, the five minutes after... after <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, after Ease 1. And... Yeah. It really is just like part of like this really big like journey. Like it just really feels like okay, I am going on like a, an epic quest that you know, like it doesn't feel like uh, cheesy or contrived at all. Even mm. it's just like it's such a simple but compelling storyline. Just going from you know the ground. And then going up the tower where the the big evil wizard is and yeah. with his dark magic orb and defeating <laughs> him and then being transported to a magical land in the sky. Yeah. And it all just feels completely natural. Yeah. Cool. Um being I, I have not uh played them, but my, my understanding is in anyway, um, and you can tell me if I'm right, is the the game was meant to be sort of like even though it had these technological limitations it very much wanted to be an emotionally moving game that was like a very serious goal that they had and east one and two sort of narratively are part of the same arc like i was looking mm. at box art of east two and they have like the questions are like who are the goddesses because you're you're trying to save them from the tower and what what is the true nature of the book book of east and the understanding is is like, like that's you know it's 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 a retro RPG that you have to connect with the history with, of course. But you know, mm -hmm. pe people talk about being moved, and I and, and I chose not to spoil it for myself because it sounds <laughs> cool. Um, but uh, I don't know. Would would you say that that's accurate? It's 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 trying to be this emotionally moving experience uh, in a way that uh, like most games weren't uh, in in that era. I would absolutely say that and like especially like towards the ending like it actually like really gets you in like a way that like you know a lot of the games at the time just like didn't mm -hmm. awesome yeah um, um, I, I have oh, go ahead uh i just wanted to talk we're, we're gonna drift away from yuzo after this yeah. so i just wanted to put a little bit more shine on his name before we we moved on just to say uh he not only did the soundtrack um streets of rage is a seminal soundtrack actraiser is very much like the i think the thing where people were like oh this is actually a thing where people are gonna 
listen to and experience crazy music and a lot of composers have talked <laughs> about like his his influence at yeah. uh um and and he's just his continuing um he, you know looking at his history i was like there's just like 700 trails games i barely <laughs> even know existed that all probably have fucking incredible music yeah um so i i'm i'm excited to go deep um and <laughs> and just just how much he loves it with he, he willing to do these different versions and still working with the PC-88, absolute yeah. uh, tip-top of, of our patron saint list. <laughs> yeah. Or apparently, like, uh, after, like, the original collection of ports with uh, that he did, like, you know, the first generation, like, he apparently was actually not super happy with the, uh, like, with the experience of working with Falcom. Like, yeah. he felt like pretty taken advantage of and sort of chose yeah. not really to work with them again yeah i mean it was it was sort of the the catalyst for him starting up ancient which is uh like his own publishing and his own sort of freelancing company um so yeah it's it's yeah it's sort of notorious i think uh, falcom in the in the 80s in particular um, and even to, up to this day like it's really really hard to figure out the credits for uh, who did music for games because um, after Ease, Ease 1 and 2, pretty much everything is just credited to Falcom Sound Team, um, which makes it really difficult. And it's it's sort of part of what Falcom tends to do is they're just like, no, this is a Falcom thing. It's not, um, The individual composers, composers don't matter. <laughs> um, and I yeah, think yeah. like Yuzo Koshiro really pushed against that um, for, for, for good reason. Um, because like yeah, you you really want to, especially with the music so good in these in these games, like uh, you really want to be able to just big up the people who did contribute to it and um making it hard to actually even find out who made the music um is is really is really difficult. Yeah, it's like the credits like on all those old arcade games where they made everyone use a pseudonym. Yeah. Um and it, it is something we've we've touched on before, I suppose, just in 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 dealing with games from the past where like so much stuff is just credited to the company um you know you've got your capcom sound teams and your your konami sound teams um sort of most famously um where the names of the people are, are sort of anonymized um and i think that was part of like a, a cultural thing as well in japan where like they didn't want people to steal or poach um their like talent um so they would hide the talent behind a fake name <laughs> um or just not include their names in in the credits um so it, it's it's to some degree understandable but it does kind of suck um, yay capitalism <laughs> indeed mm -hmm. um so yeah uh the next block of tracks is all stuff from ease 2 um so i do have some credits for these so the most of it is yuzu koshiro um, with one track by Meiko Ishikawa and one track by Hideo Nagata. Um, the one that I mentioned as well at the start of the of this was um, the Korean DOS version. Um, the track that I've selected from that version is Ice Ridge of Naltia. Um, and the names that I have uh, as composers for the Korean version are uh, Guhi Kwan, uh, Dong Il Kwok, uh, Gi Sung Park, uh, Si Young Kim, uh, Myung Jinan, uh, Seung Wan Ro. Uh, no, that's it actually. Yeah, sorry, I thought I'd one more. Um, I apologize to to anyone Korean for how badly I butchered those names. Um, so yeah, uh, we've got the Korean DOS version of Ice Ridge of Daltia. We have the PC88 version of that. 
we have to make the end of battle from the NES port, uh, then Companiel of Lane, Moat of Burned Bless, Runes of Moondoria, and lastly is Termination.
So before I before we jump into anything else, I want to just uh, uh, correct myself with the company of Lane Track. I did forget to mention that that was an enhanced uh, PC Engine version of it, um, which absolutely fucking rips. I love the bass in that so much. Um, it went so hard. It's just, it's just it's one of those things where it's just like it's such a great embellishment to the original track, and it just like yeah, it just goes so hard. The guy was really really giving it us all that day. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Ryo Yonemitsu, you did a fantastic job. <laughs> um, and yeah, the the PC, there so the the Korean DOS version of that one track. Um, if you can track it down, I definitely recommend giving that soundtrack a listen. Um, it's um, it's it's composed for um, for an ad lib sound card. Um. And that's a, that's sort of a weird thing, I suppose, with PCs of the time is that like the different sound cards you used could produce would produce really varying qualities of sound, um, depending on what and depending on whether the song itself was sort of composed with a specific sound card in mind as well. Um, but these ones, yeah, they were. Uh, it's an FM synth type um, sound card, uh, and it just I love the sort of the warmer sound of the FM synth for that version. Um, it really, really sort of. Um, is is a nice contrast to the the sort of harsher sounds of the the PC eighty eight. Yeah, it was really absolutely like smooth. Mm. Big fan of it. Yeah, yeah, I want to check it out. That's exciting. There have been a lot of little discoveries for me um, with 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 this. Uh, I I I guess it was quite obvious to everybody but myself. But for the the next track uh, to make the end of battle. I guess uh, the the East Two opening cinematic, which took up a whole disc, um, is was was explained to me is is basically the Citizen Kane of J- <laughs> JRPG openings. Um, it's uh, I, I was watching a, a thing where everybody has remade it for they've remade it for uh, personal computers that are older than the PC eighty eight. They've been mm. remade it for Game Boy, that sort of thing. Um, and it, it apparently, uh, you know, you can trace all, all this influence for for it. And of course, because there's there's an anime girl that looks at you, <laughs> um, I, they just blew everybody's out, yeah. uh, blew everybody's ass right out the back of their brain. Um, yeah. So uh, it, uh, it, I... it is it, it has been very interesting um, th- this whole East journey. Yeah, if you ever want to see a really great opening for a game, look up the opening for the Dawn of East, uh, which is East 4 for the PC engine. That has a fantastic opening, and there's actually a really good fan dub of it into English that just, like... Like, when you watch it, it just feels like, okay, this is, like, almost like just a distilled encapsulation of like that late 80s early 90s fantasy anime vibe mm. just compressed into like 2 minutes of amazing music and like really great art direction as well yeah um absolutely yeah, that's, definitely, that's definitely something that sort of comes across a lot in uh, in Falcom's game but games in particular i think they were sort of one of the um, the first sort of RPG companies to really, really embrace the anime aesthetic within the games. 
um, and sort of really push that sort of like bitmap anime style um, on the PC-88 and, and things like that. Um, it, that that sort of stuff wouldn't really hit um, other consoles, I don't think, really, until uh, the sort of the late 90s. Um, uh, I think up, up to that point, if, if the more mainstream sort of Japanese games maybe avoided anime comparisons, but like um, I think like Falcom and sort of early Atlas really, really leaned into it. Um, and like I love that sort of that early, sort of that late 80s, early 90s sort of fantasy anime aesthetic, as you mentioned. Um, Absolutely. Um, I, yeah. I was watching a, a, somebody unbox the East One um, PC-88, and it was such an incredible package. They had like a hardcover instruction booklet with, you know, all uh, the, the anime Adol and a couple of other characters in there. And I nice. think that, that that stuff is way expanded in 2 as well um in in the east 2 box set um mm. and and you you can really see they're they're trying to present this entire fantasy and anime aesthetic and they don't lean into it super hard in mm. east 1 but in east 2 it's it's very much there and they're they're <laughs> they're rare to rip um it's yeah. it, it's it's quite interesting yeah um so yeah so as we can talk about E's origin now because um, I originally, yes. when I was I was talking about doing this episode, I was just going to do one and two, uh, but you mentioned Neve that like if I'm doing one and two, I should do Origin. Now I've played a little bit of Origin, but I haven't finished it, so um, maybe need to explain the connections between Origin and uh, E's one and two, and why you sort of feel they they go together. Okay, so. In East uh, 1 and 2, there are a lot of references to, like, real, like, catastrophic, cataclysmic events that happened 700 years prior to those two games. And East Origin basically tells the story of what those events were. And there's also, like, a lot of, like, a lot of the music in East Origin is stuff from East 1 and 2, mm. but of course, you know, rearranged and remixed yeah. in order to tell, you know, the the original story that... Or the original story that the original story came <laughs> from, I yeah. would say, in a very uh, confusing way to put it. <laughs> but it really is, like, just... It's honestly my favorite East game. Like mm. it has like these three different paths you can take, like three different protagonists, like all with their own point of view that they mm. view the story from. And like each one that you play, you get different pieces of the narrative. And it really like puts the first two games into a whole new context once you've played it. And yeah. I really would highly recommend uh, like playing through uh, all three routes of Origin when you have the chance. I think it, you would really enjoy it. Yeah. Origin was the one um, I was saying had the attack button, I think. Yes. Um, yeah. that, I played that um, because uh, I, I, I got it with something. Um, and I think what confused me was the fact that it started out with the uh, with Fina, um, sort of like it mixed into kind of like other uh, another track, 
And so it, it makes a lot of sense now. It, it, it's not a remake. Um, it is it is this sort of like recontextualization different game. Um, that's very interesting. Mm. Um, I, I played uh, maybe like 45 minutes of that, and the music uh, was was absolutely a banger. Um, and mm. I, it, it, it seemed interesting um, for... Uh, I, I, I didn't get a chance to, to dig into it much further, but um, yeah. I'm, I'm going to keep playing it. No, I, de- I have it on the Switch. I definitely need to get back to it. Um, the like this game and um, the East remake, three remake, um, Oath and Fulgana, and I think E six, um, all use the same basic engine. There's play very similar to each other. Um, so I've played a lot of E six, um, and a lot of um, Oath and Fulgana, which I really both enjoyed both of those. Um, but they're also quite hard, uh, as is Ease Origin. <laughs> um, so yeah, what happens yeah. to me is I hit a wall with the boss and then I'm like, I'm going to have to do a bit of grinding to do this. I can't be arsed. And then I stop playing for like a couple of months uh, and then uh, yeah. I eventually go back to it. <laughs> yeah, the um, like the games that use the Ark of Napishtim engine, like they all like have, I guess kind of like, you know, you could call it a problem like where they have just a very steep, level like power (laughs) curve where like okay even one level like you know like above or below where you're supposed to be at a certain point in the game just makes such a massive difference in terms of how much damage you do to enemies and how much they do to you yeah no it's uh it's definitely the case and you hit you hit some bosses and they're just a brick wall (laughs) and then you go and you level up twice and then you just like yeah just decimate (laughs) Um, yeah uh, a friend of mine actually just completely threw in the towel on oath and (laughs) felgana just because of that yeah no i can i can definitely get that um but it's the the gameplay itself is is compelling enough that i will always come back to it eventually even if it's like a couple of months or even in in some cases multiple years before i get back to playing them but like once you get into them then they they really really enjoy you and they're really just excellent little rpgs yeah 100 percent. like the like the ones that use that combat engine are honestly like my favorite in the series Mm. for certain from from what I played of it, um, it did seem to uh, be going for that that emotional sort of line drive uh, of of JRPGs, where I, I you know the music is so rich uh, and beautiful, um, and I picked the the lady with no magic who has the axe, yeah. and right so off the bat, <laughs> I, I and right off the bat, um, she I, I lost contact with the tree. Um, I think it was the tree I was talking to. Uh, and, and she was like, if I knew magic, I could keep talking. And I was just like, that made me want to pick the wizard. It's like, I was immediately like, like drawn into the, like these different distinctions in the world. Like it, it, it can be, I, I think a, a little weird buying into ease, to be honest. But like, I think once you do, you you find the purchase like all this yeah. stuff feeds into itself really well um it's really it's re- and it's really engaging to kind of like dig through and it's not really like and all the games and stuff don't seem as insanely long and like involved as some other rpgs even mm. if there are difficulty spikes yeah, yeah i think like, that's well, they're all like maybe 20 hour games um, or like the later ones like 
eight and nine, like they get like pretty long. Like they're like, you know, like 50 or 60 hours. But yeah, the earlier ones are definitely much more reasonable in terms of how long it takes to play them. Yeah. Um, I would say like eight, eight is another one that I have played in full. And like, yeah, that's probably about 40, 50 hours. And it's, it doesn't have the sharp difficulty curve um, that like sixth and uh, origin have. Um, so yeah, it's a, it, I suppose it's a bit of a trade off one or one for the other. Um, but yeah, I suppose we'll we'll jump into the next block of tracks anyway. I have four. Um, the four tracks that I select here, these are all original tracks, um, so that they weren't in any of the previous games. Um, so the music for these games is all credited to Falcom Sound Team JDK. Um, as I mentioned before, but I managed to track down that some of them, some of the names. Um, so Hayato Sanada, Takahiro Unisuga, uh, Ryo Takashita, and uh, Yukihiro Jindo. Um, I don't know who of the those people has done any of these tracks, um, because uh, as I mentioned, uh, a lot of this is sort of obfuscated deliberately. <laughs> um, but those are the names that I was able to find that actually did work on this game. Uh, so we have um, Determination, Prelude to the Omen, uh, Silent Desert and Water Prison, all from Ease Origin.
first thing I want to say on that is I love that there's they have a track called Silent Desert and it just has a ton of shredding guitars and double bass drums. <laughs> like it's it feels almost like a joke to do that. <laughs> <laughs> um absolutely. Just be like, it's the you're silent inside. On the outside, we're ripping. We're shredding. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and that first track is a determination. Um, uh, it, it's a really cool, just like um, sort of like an R and B kind of track. Um, and it's something I, I, I've often sort of mentioned before on the podcast. But like, I like a thing that they do in video game music, where like they will substitute their lyrics for like a specific um, or, or like a lyrical melody, melody for um, for like a, a guitar in this case. Um, but it's something that you see a lot in video game music, where like because they tend not to use lyrics so much, um, you'll often find that the the lyrical melodies are done using a um, sort of like a, a guitar lead or a synth lead, um, and it it makes for some sort of interesting um, contrast in the music itself. Yeah, it's like it's just like you hear and you immediately can tell like, oh yeah, that's where the singing would be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, I think I would say like the that one sounded a lot like it's a sort of like a, a Luther Vandross track or something like that. Yeah, um, yeah. And like Prelude to the Omen, I thought actually at first when I heard this that this was from a different game, but apparently it is original to um, E's Origin. But like I just fucking love the synths in that; it just just goes so hard. Um, and like it's like the this soundtrack is is sort of one of the one of the peak soundtracks for me. Um, like even though I haven't played the game, I do I do actually own the soundtrack on CD, because um, it is just it's so good. I love it so much, um, and like it's it's got me now thinking maybe I should just go back to playing the game. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, um, just a a funny bit of random trivia I learned that I just I just love because they just knew how great the soundtrack was was for he's one on um he's one for the PC eighty eight. On disc two, if you hold down the Y and the S key, you get bonus tracks that were not used in the game um, and would end up being tracks uh, in two and in later games. Um, I cannot find uh, the list um, of, of what the tracks were, but um, I, just, I just like that e e e there is such a deep respect Maybe respect is not the right word considering uh, the treatment, but um, <laughs> uh, you know, in, an investment in the the, the sound. Yeah, um, yeah. No, I, I think that's that's probably the case. Like someone like Yuzukashiro is just gonna just start banging out tunes, and like Ease One is a fairly short game, and there's a lot of music in it still um, for such a short game. Like I think it's like probably eight hours to start to finish. So like. Um, the, the amount of music in the game, if you if you look at the listing on the soundtrack, like um, there's definitely going to be some that isn't going to show up. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's uh, it's great. I love it. Um, so yeah, um, have you any thoughts on those tracks, Neve? Oh yeah, I like like I was like uh, like just such a big fan of just the way that like. Like all of the tracks in East Origin, I feel like, like they all have like something in common, which is like, like they have like sort of like an ethereal quality to the sound mm. of them. Like, like they feel like very like, 
airy and like synthy, like because it's yeah. like okay, like like it really feels like it sort of evokes like the feeling of like oh, this is like the ancient past and like. Mm. It's such a subtle thing, but I think it really adds to it. And uh, what you were saying, uh, Reese, about like the uh, like them putting lots of care and like uh, like lots into the music, I completely agree with that. Like you know, like no matter like who their composers are, they Falcom does you know, and like as you know, far from ideal as they have treated their composers they really do put a priority on having like the best talent possible yeah working on their games yeah i mean like any anybody who listens to like the falcon music will tell you like there's there's so little not like there's so little music in in any of these games uh whether it's ease games whether it's like the xanadu games whether it's the trails games like there's so little that isn't just absolutely incredible yeah like um, the falcom like falcom games are like one of the few like sort of games where it's like i feel like the music has a fandom that like it exists like kind of almost independently of the fandom of the games themselves like that's yeah, how strong yeah. the music is yeah that makes absolutely. sense absolutely um <laughs> certainly for me with the trails games because i there's no way i'm playing any of those like i don't have the time to to play multiple hundred hour RPGs like that as much as i'd like to but like those the soundtracks i will i'll put them on rotation heavily um they're really really good are we going to say um, restart? I interrupted you. No, no, no. Um, I I agree with you one hundred percent. Um, I I just what's emerging to me with uh the origin soundtrack is is sort of what you touched on, Neve, about it it very it staying very true to its own kind of like ethereal. I I don't want to call it upbeat, but it it is not necessarily uh sort of like bright uh, and it, airy. It, it, it bright and airy, exactly. That's yeah. and. It, almost nonchalantly like flying in the face of of expectations in a way that just like is is almost it's bracing you know you listen to something like silent desert and i lord only knows what they're trying to evoke there but we we've <laughs> talked as well about tower of the shadow of death um i i can't wait to listen to the origin version of it um mm. you you have this um this narrative that's being told and the way that they elevate the tone of the narrative to make it sweeping is by also having that imbued into the soundtrack and the way that you uh, talked about it, Neve, being like ancient, like divine, you know, it feels like the soundtrack of, you know, some, some goddess a hundred thousand years ago in the sort of like broad fantasy strokes. Um, and it's, it's, it's really interesting and it's really exciting. And I'm not surprised it has a, huge uh, fan base because it, it grabbed me just just out of the blue like just just that the pc88 soundtrack i was i was uh i had been uh driven out by hurricane florence and i was like man shit sucks i'll put on uh, the fantasy star soundtrack <laughs> um and uh it led to uh you know the the, the joy of this episode nice 
Um, yeah, I suppose uh, we'll we'll jump into the next block of tracks then. Uh, with that, um, seeing as seeing as you're excited to get to it, um, so yeah, these are four tracks that I pulled. These are all just arrangements of um, tracks from E1. Um, so we have Tower of the Shadow of Death again, uh, Overdrive, Termination, and Dreaming. So uh, let's go into those.
the main thing that I keep noticing with these is just that like they really just went first. <laughs> oh yeah, they like especially with termination, they just decided, okay, we're going to make the final boss theme of final boss themes. <laughs> Yeah, and like they're all these are like three, four times longer than the originals. Um, you know, and like obviously those originals are designed to loop, but like I, I, it's really cool how they just sort of took those, um, those basic loops and just like expanded on them. And like the first one, the Tower of the Shadow of Death, um, like each different loop just slightly varied. There's a slight variance in how it plays out each time, um, but each each of those different loops still remains completely faithful to that original composition. Um, so I just, I really, really like how they sort of, uh, they went about doing that. It's uh, it's a really good, uh, really good the, choice. The percussion is very, uh, they're, they're having a great time with the <laughs> percussion in that one. At, at the beginning, they're doing all these kind of like, do kind of like making tones with the symbols and stuff like very quietly. Yeah. And then they start like working up into these big crescendos. And, and at points it felt like it was going so broad into the like building um, rhythm. It felt almost like a, like a Broadway showpiece type song <laughs> in, in certain bridges. Um, and uh, that just makes me love it more. Um, yeah. Uh, like I called it, Buck Wild, uh, and uh, I, I stand by that. It is, it is an incredible. <laughs> yeah, with uh, uh, yeah, with um, Tower of the Shadow of Death, like, like that plays like you know, like towards the end of uh, of East One, mm-hmm. or I guess I should say like more like the second half of East One because like Darm Tower takes up a massive a portion of, of playing that game, that game. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but like. It in East Origin, it plays like right at the beginning, and like just the way that they, like they just made it feel a lot more upbeat with the rhythm, and so it feels like much more instead of this is where the adventure is coming to an end. It is, it's just getting started. Like it feels yeah. like much more of like a setting out type of track as opposed to reaching a conclusion, and. Yeah. I also like want to talk about uh, dreaming, like mm. the next track. Uh, I feel like that's the perfect example of what I was talking about earlier with like East Origins soundtrack feeling like so much more like ethereal, like just like yeah. the heavy, heavy use of like the pad synths. Yeah, like like it. It kind of reminds me of uh, I forget the name of it, but like it's like the like a track from like Tekken 4 that used like a lot of like really like spacey sort of synths like it's mm. like it was like the theme for like a stage where it's like in a facility that's got like lasers pointing everywhere and there's like <laughs> fog machines like covering like the entire like floor of the stage and like it really has like that sort of vibe and aesthetic yeah we'll have um... to track that down no, the the synths were yeah it really stood out to me in that in that track as well, um and like it I I just love the vibe of that track in general but yeah it's it really gives it yeah it, it's there's a there's a sort of a, a mysteriousness to it like a like you say like some sort of uh, a mysterious ancient laboratory or something like that um it's a, it's really really cool um and, so, yeah. and I 
Okay. Just to uh, to agree with uh, Neve again, the the ethereal nature of it, um, I think, is definitely, you know, the 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 way it's cranked up in Origins is something I'm really enjoying and makes me want to play it more because mm. I feel like e- even in the original soundtrack, um, you know, there's if if there was a song that was the forest song, it it would have its own particular identity that that it I feel like is a little bit unusual. Um, but I, I feel like with this origin stuff, they are just boldly kind of like re kind of like contextualizing like what it what the the, the an RPG hero going through a, sh- a shadow tower should feel <laughs> through the music. Um, and it's just so strong and so evocative, they're able to sort of like just absolutely um i think create a narrative from from moment one um with something like uh origins uh, at least for me mm-hmm. oh yeah i would i would agree with that um yeah so i suppose we'll uh we'll we'll finish up with that i suppose if any unless anyone has any final thoughts that was my final thought that was yours neve uh my final thought is uh Hi, I'm on a podcast. Uh, <laughs> hello, my friends who I'm making listen to the podcast I appeared on. Uh, that's all. That's, that's what this podcast is for. It's just forcing your friends to listen to it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, so uh, we'll we'll finish up with that. Um, so, Neve, do you have anything you might want to plug? Or uh, even just like a Twitter or... Uh, Okay, I have a Twitter account. Uh, my username is at ShinGenderRobo, and uh, I can also be found with that same username on Tumblr and Mastodon. So uh, follow me, please. I need the validation. <laughs> I, I really need the validation. This is, this is nothing if not a cloud-building exercise. Me posts <laughs> uh, excellent art as well so uh, check that out sweet right. we, will, we will we will put your put your um your your uh, put links in the in the description uh reese uh what have you got for us this week you can find me at your very good bud uh where i am not uh harassing anyone ever at any time um <laughs> also uh, on twitter on Mastodon at jorts.horse. Um, also, there is the dark, dark podcast uh, that lives in the shadow of this, uh, of this one. Uh, video games are the worst thing on earth, um, where we report on the current events of video games four or five months after they happen. So uh, check it out. <laughs> um, yeah, and I suppose as for ourselves, CRT, we've been CRT Sound System. Um, you can find us on Twitter, CRT Pod System, on Tumblr, CRT Sound System, on Twitch, CRT Sound System, and if you want to send us an email, we're CRT Pod System at gmail.com. Um, yeah, uh, give a, give us a rating review and all that shit on uh, on uh, iTunes and Spotify. Um, just to, just to bump up those numbers. As I said, this entire podcast is a cloud build a cloud building exercise. That's right. Um, so yeah, uh, thanks so much for joining us, Eve. That was really fun. Um, yeah, really thank enjoyed you. listening to. Oh, uh, thank you so series. much for having me on. Yeah, it was uh, it was really good. I, I'm glad I bullied you into doing it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, so yeah, the the last track we're going to play is another is just a, a track from uh, East Two. Um, it is called Too Full with Love. It's a it's a vocal track from uh, pretty early on in the game in uh, Lance Village, where you sort of start off after um, being transported into the to the city in the sky or whatever it is uh, from the end of Ease One. Um, yeah, so uh, is, is, we'll is this uh, right after the anime girl looks at you. Uh, it, I think, yeah, it's, it's probably the okay. anime girl singing to you, in fact. <laughs> okay, good. That's important to know. Um, <laughs> imagine an anime girl, everyone. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, thanks everyone for listening. Have a good one. Goodbye. Bye.